Well, it's so good to welcome you and give you my welcome, uh, and I hope you're enjoying the service so far. Here we are in the upper room of Airfield Road. I thought I'm going to come back and check it's still here uh, while we've been in lockdown, haven't been able to gather here, but here we are in the upper room, and here we are on Pentecost Sunday, and I'm preaching probably into your living rooms, uh, really from an upper room. You'll know the story in the Bible, 120 had gathered because Jesus had told them, wait for the promise of the Father to come, uh, and wait he's been outpoured the Holy Spirit and you'll be clothed with power uh, and then that moment where a rushing wind came and tongues of fire came upon them and they burst out of that upper room speaking other languages that God had given and people from all nations because they gathered to the Jerusalem uh, in that moment were asking what is going on what is happening and so here we are now uh, in a moment where we're going to unpack what does that mean to be a spirit-filled church we're in this reset series and we're saying what are the foundations we've looked at the apostles teaching we've looked at community we've looked at prayer we've looked at what it means to gather around the Lord's table uh, focus on him on his life and his death and his resurrection uh, and now we're looking at what it means to be a spirit-filled church and I want this morning for you to expect great things that's why it's here that's why that sign is here amongst all the chaos of this undeveloped building so far uh, I want you to expect uh, an encounter by the Holy Spirit and we'll be responding at the end the remarkable story of the promise of God with us is breathtaking. It's one of the really umbrella stories of the Bible that, that God would be with his people. And yet over the years, the church has become increasingly in, in, institutionalised, increasingly kind of set in its ways. And, and don't think for a second, because we're modern in style and approach, that we're not uh, not in danger of set, getting set in our ways. Don't think that for a second because it's every other church that's like that. No, 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 no. We, we as a church actually uh, in these days need to come back to the, the core reality of what it means to have God with us. A.W. Tozer said an incredibly provocative thing. He said this, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on. No one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Ouch. That is a powerful quote. Program and programming is a poor substitute for his presence. Hear me right here. I'm not saying let's be disorganized and chaotic. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you cannot replace program and organization and administration with the presence of God amongst us. Because when you look in the history, you see when God breaks in, all heaven breaks out and all sorts of things happen. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm honestly hungry for more. And I was thinking about this, you know, if Joe offered me a kiss, Joe's my wife, by the way, good to clarify that. If Joe offered to kiss me and I say, well, I'm kind of open to the idea, I'm not sure how helpful that would be <laughs> to her. I'm not sure she would feel like I'm really warm and open to the idea. And I think sometimes we can be like that with the Holy Spirit. You know, Holy Spirit coming and his presence coming. Yeah, I'm open. I'm open to him coming. It'd be great if he did. But I'm not sure we're, we're stepping in towards that and, and, and anticipating that and hungry for that. And, and I am so hungry for more. It's easy to become over-familiar with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Easy to become over-familiar with who he is and what he does. Or even to think we've seen it all. Begin to lean into our own strength. 
It's easy to think that because we're modern, informal, upbeat, that we are pressing into the things of the Spirit. And I would say this, that the Scripture talks about you're made to be a temple of the Spirit. That the Scriptures talk about the church is made corporately, you and me, to expect the presence of God. In fact, you could articulate it this way, that we're to expect the Holy Spirit to dwell in his temple, that we are, we are the heaven to earth touching point as the Holy Spirit fills his church both individually and corporately. That his presence is for the sake of the world. It's not so that we can have a tongue and an interpretation on Sunday necessarily. It's, it's so that we are filled with the spirit of mission and go. He's an apostolic Holy Spirit. sends us out to minister to the glory of God and to the praise of Jesus and to point people to Jesus. It's really what it's about. It's really what the church is about. His intent is that now through the church, the manifold wisdom, the glory of God would be displayed to principalities and powers. And his intent is that it's done now. And so as the church, Ephesians 2.22, are built together and filled with the spirit, guess what? The, the glory of God gets manifoldly spread. You know, the famous preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he, he was a word guy, he preached, but he was also full of the spirit. He said, he said this, he, he, he kind of believed in the steady growth of the church and the, the ordinary ministry of the church and seeing people saved and, uh, and, and that whole thing. He, he believed in that, but he also said this, he said, the need today is for an authentication of God, of the supernatural, of the spiritual, of the eternal. And this can only be answered by God graciously hearing our cry and shedding forth again his spirit upon us and filling us as he kept filling the early church. He says this in his book on revival. When God acts, he can do more in a minute than man with his organising can do in 50 years. So many more things I could say on this, but it's... it's the truth is God has not presenced himself with us and he didn't presence himself with that church on that, on that Pentecost moment to make the meetings more interesting. He's with his people so we can show the world Jesus. Acts 2 is a spirit-filled church. And so listen to this, Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us, whether we're at home, on our own, or whether we're with a crowded household, Lord God. I pray you come to us right now and we would be filled with the spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. Inhabit us, I pray. Fill the temple, I pray, in Jesus' name. While we're, while we're scattered almost and yet gathering around a screen, I pray, come, let your imminent presence come upon us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You know, it's so important that we read these verses joined up, that, that the Bible is a story that, that has a beginning and an end and it, and it has a middle and it has characters and we can join up. God is telling a story. It's history, but it's his story. It's his story that he's telling. Uh, and the first church in Acts didn't just stumble on something accidentally. It's not that they were a unique moment in the history of God even. Uh, there's a moment where the Holy Spirit comes, yes, 
but there's an ongoing sense where the church can continue to be filled with his, with his Holy Spirit. As I've said, they were receiving the promise. You can read about that in Luke 24, 49. Uh, and, and it says that Jesus said that, wait in Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, because you're going to be clothed with power. Jesus himself says, and it says it in Acts 1 uh, and, and verse 5, uh, it talks about go, uh, and uh, you're going to receive the, the Holy Spirit baptism. It talks about that. And so God has always promised to be with his people. And maybe you could say, in one sense, that the story of the Bible is a love story. (laughs) It's about a father, the greatest father, pursuing his children. That's what mission is. And it's God wants to be with his people. Maybe you could articulate it this way. That God's manifest presence has arrived for the church And the God who is everywhere loves to turn up somewhere. The God who is everywhere loves to turn up somewhere. And it's a great expression, isn't it? And this is how it has always been with God. A burning bush with Moses, a pillar of fire and and cloud, a a Pentecost moment that there there is now this dynamic of the Spirit coming. You know, go right back if you want to Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God in the cool of the day. That, that even, even after creation, the first thing that God does is rest, who with? His children. That Eden means the place of delight. That's what it means. And it means that, that, that God would, would want to be with his creation. Then you fast forward a little bit to the Jewish people. They were privileged to know God with them, that cloud of fire. And then you get Moses and he said, look, God, don't, go, don't, don't even think about sending us unless you go with us. <laughs> what would we do without your presence? What would we do? Many of us would do a lot of things and are doing a lot of things and busying ourselves with a lot of things. Perhaps we've got to step back uh, and, and pray that prayer, God, don't send me anywhere without your presence. And then you get to the tabernacle. God was so keen to dwell with his people that he told Moses, build a tent in a certain way. It's very clear instructions. Uh, and that he would come down the mountain, as it were. God would come down the mountain. I know God's omnipresent. But remember, the, the omnipresent God who's everywhere loves to turn up somewhere. And he said, I, I want to turn up in a tent that you've created, a house that you've created for me. Exodus 25, verse 8. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Exodus 40, verse 34, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Really interesting word, that word tabernacle, because then you get to the glory of Jesus. As you fast forward to the Gospel of John in chapter 1, and and it talks about Jesus being Emmanuel, that's in Matthew 1. But in John 1, it talks about the word becoming flesh and literally dwelling among his people. That dwelling among his people literally is tabernacled among us. That, that in a sense, Jesus comes from heaven to earth uh, and, and takes on human flesh, a tent as it were, uh, and, uh, and, and tabernacles with us, camps with us by coming in human flesh to be amongst us, just like the God, uh, just like God did with Moses and, uh, and Israel then, uh, that we set this tent up and dwelled. Jesus is now, God is now dwelling uh, with his people. He tabernacled. And then you get the glory of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has walked and, and walked with them and, and ministered to them and walked on earth for that three years of his ministry uh, and had grown up through childhood, then began to minister and signs and wonders, preaching, preaching the good news and the kingdom that is at hand and all of the stuff. Uh, and it gets all the way through that. They've had God with them in flesh. And then Jesus talks about that, that, that I'm going to go. But he says this, he says to the disciples that he's going to go, 
But he says, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And there's this, this moment where Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm sending another. And, and, and I wonder if they would have thought, are we going to just gather around the memory of what it was like to have Jesus around us? Or are they going to press into a new moment? Because Jesus said, it's better that I go. That, that in fact, he says, it's superior. It's surpassing. It's better than having me in flesh. Paul, the Apostle Paul, unpacks it like this. He, he says this in Galatians and Philippians. He says, the spirit of his son. So in other words, you could, you could say it like this. And William Hendrickson, the, the Reformed scholar, says it like this. When the spirit is poured out, Christ truly returns. That is breathtaking. Say that slowly to yourself. When the spirit is poured out, Christ, slow, Christ truly returns. It's an amazing truth. When the Spirit is poured out, Christ truly returns. That, that's what Paul's getting at when he says the Spirit of his Son. That's what Jesus is getting at when he says another will come, another just like me. And, and they knew what it was like to have Jesus amongst them. They knew what it was like. But when you've got Jesus with you, when you've got Jesus with you by his Spirit, stuff gets dealt with, I tell you. That there's this reality that, that you're, I'm not an orphan, I'm not on my own. You have the spirit of Jesus with you now. Amazing. Because when you think you're alone, and when you believe you're alone, you begin to act in a way that orphans act. And the truth is, orphans have to make their own way. They have to be self-sufficient. They don't know that if, if they don't stretch to get the next meal, it won't come. If they don't sort themselves out, they won't be sorted out. But when you know your parentage, all of that stuff's covered. That's what this is talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, you don't need to be self-sufficient. I mean, just look where I'm standing just for a moment. We can't make this place be developed. We're reliant on the Spirit. And he moves hearts and he does stuff and, and he comes in and gives faith and he reminds us of who Jesus is. That we, He helps us to expect great things. I'm going to say some other things in just a moment, so I don't want to get too carried away on that point. But then you get to the, the Acts chapter 2 church, and I, and I love the local church, and I love it because the truth is that, that Jesus really, or, or, or really the writer of Acts, Luke, says some incredible things uh, and really talks about what happened with Jesus' ministry on earth was only the beginning and that the church would continue it. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, there's a continuation, there's a, there's a next part to this. And, and that's what the book of Acts is. It's, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the acts of the apostles. It's the acts of the followers of Jesus who are full of his spirit. And, and it's a staggering thing. No other world religion talks like this. They talk about it's done. They, 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 they kind of completed that in their, in their great leaders. Jesus is saying, no, the, the finished work of Christ for salvation is done. He said it's finished. But the continuation of the advance of the kingdom happens now as it happened with Jesus when he came to earth and began to minister the kingdom. Now he said to his people, you're to continue that. And the disciples knew what the spirit-filled life looked like. They, they understood what it looked like. 
They'd seen it again and again. In fact, Acts 10 summarizes it in verse 38 and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. In other words, Jesus was was nearly always, he was healing someone or returning from a healing or or just about to heal heal someone. It says really he he turned no one away and sometimes he recorded he healed them all. And so even if you just take one aspect of the kingdom coming in terms of healing, they would have understood, oh, when the kingdom comes and when the spirit-filled life is manifest through Jesus, then, then the life of God flows and stuff happens. God destroys the work of the devil as we step out being fully filled with the spirit and minister the kingdom. And so the Holy Spirit would be with them in the same day and so in the same way. And so what, what we find is that these verses in Acts 2, verse 47, 42 to 47, they're not, they're, they're not explicitly, this is how you get baptised in the Holy Spirit. You can get that through Acts, and that wasn't the, the plan of today to do that. Uh, and you can locate that all the way through Acts and actually through the epistles and learn that stuff. And we've taught that in the past. What I want to say today is Acts 2 here is saying, look, this is what the Holy Spirit produces in the corporate church, which is why it's unshakable when this stuff's at its foundation. No human can make happen what is in the pages of the Bible here when you read it and think no, no person, no pastor, no leader, no apostle, don't care how gifted they are, could produce this. This is Holy Spirit produced fruit. This is, this is Holy Spirit produced church. And that's what we're looking for. And so verse 43, let me tell you some of these things. Everyone, say at home, everyone. Well done. Everyone was filled with awe. Everyone is a sign in itself. It seems like nothing, but it's actually a sign and a wonder. You can be in a meeting. I've literally, you can look around. You can be in a meeting where, where half the people are encountering God and the other half are looking at what's thinking, when's lunch? You know, that's kind of, you think, well, what was the big deal? Someone else is getting their life wrecked and put back together. Someone else is thinking, oh, I wonder if the roast dinner's going to burn. You know, that's, that's, that's the reality. So when you get to a point where you say, everyone was in awe and wonder, or everyone, everyone, was in awe and at what God was doing. When you begin to see that in the scripture, everyone was filled with awe. When you, when you see the word everyone, you've got to think that is a miracle. When God is truly moving, you cannot ignore him. I just remind some of us that we were there at the Toronto Blessing in probably about 93, 94, where God sovereignly moved across uh, nations. I tell you, you couldn't be in one of those meetings uh, and... Uh, uh, and just think about lunch and think about what time was supper coming. It was God was breathtakingly sweeping through his church. Everyone was filled with awe. What about this? Many wonders and miraculous signs were performed by the apostles. Signs and wonders or signs that make you wonder. Wonders and miracles that make you scratch your head and say, wow, God must be real. Let me tell you, if you're not a believer in Jesus, uh, let me tell you, he's alive and he does miracles. It may be that you're someone watching in who's not sure about the charismatic, the outpouring of the Spirit, and the fact that God still heals today. Let me tell you, he does. There's, there's signs that point to who God is. Not just give me stuff, but when you see provision, guess what you realise? There's a provider. That It's a sign. The provision that you see points to the provider. Or when you see a, a healing... You know there's a healer, and he can heal you in every way possible. He can heal your soul, he can heal you physically and emotionally. 
And we live in this world, this show and tell world now that, that, that we must proclaim and demonstrate that, that what God is like. They've got to see that he's a provider and look at the provision. You know, I've, I've been in meetings literally where, where, where blind eyes have opened, deaf ears have opened, people's tunnel vision have been healed. I've seen miraculous appearances of things where we just had in our own house just gold dust on the floor uh, for no, but really just, just to know that God is with us. I think it was a sign that points to God being imminent and with us. Uh, I, I've been in meetings where there's been such accurate words of knowledge. I promise you that from people on the platform who didn't know people naming their kids' names and jaw-dropping at times, uh, people like Sean Boltz and others, you've heard of them, where you think that is a sign and a wonder that God is alive and that's what Spirit-filled church looks like. I've been in a, I remember being in a conference where, where literally it was a 3,000-people conference and there was a couple who were leading the meeting uh, and God just prompted one of the leaders around generosity and people queued up for about 20 minutes and threw money into the lap of these leaders. And it was just a moment of, of staggering spirit-filled generosity. It was just a moment where you think, wow, God, this is, this is what you do. I'm not proposing that at all. I'm not suggesting that should happen. I've seen that once in my life. So please don't mishear what, what I'm not saying here. I'm, I'm saying that the, that the spirit provokes things that in the natural we'd run a mile from. But when he provokes them and they, do, and, and, and they happen, it has a, a tangibleness, a, an aroma to it that points to heaven, that reminds us of heaven. And listen, although it was the apostles who performed the miracles and the signs and wonders, actually as you read through Acts, you see people like Stephen and Philip performing the signs and wonders later. I just want to say this, it's an ongoing inheritance for his whole church. It started with the apostles and it's been passed on to us that we're, we are uh, to heal the sick. The Bible says we, we are sent, uh, just the Father sent me as I'm sending you. That's what Jesus said. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. We're sent, we're spirit-filled, and we're to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. And then just as an aside here, I want to say, don't separate word and spirit. Please don't separate the power of the word, the apostles' teaching, and the power of the wonders here. Don't separate them, because in the, in the body of Christ, there's a tribalism where people say, well, we're the word, guys, and another bunch of, yeah, but we're the spirit, guys. I want to say it's both have to collide powerfully, the word and the spirit. We need both. Uh, and so what you do is you say, actually, to the word guys, explain this to me. And then the word guys, the spirit guys say, help me, help me step into this because it's word and spirit. And so in a church like ours, it's as spirit filled to have a deep theology night where we're wrestling with the end times or, or what, what's the place of uh, Israel and the church and all of this stuff and what's the difference between holiness and righteousness. It's as spirit-filled to wrestle with that stuff as it is to see the sick healed and the dead raised. You've got to hear that. It's so important. So we don't get tribalism, but we have a culture of honour that, that says, even if you don't sound like me or look like me or talk like me, there's glory in you and I'm going to mine that glory. I'm going to mine it out, that gold, and find out what you're carrying. And then thirdly here, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Acts 4 verse 32 puts it this way, all the believers were one in heart and mind. I don't need to underline this, I don't think much to us, uh, but I've been in ministry and leadership for 20 years, I've been in churches for longer, and I've never been in the church where all the believers were one in heart and mind. I've never been in that church, and I tell you, it's a Holy Spirit-empowered environment. Uh, and so we build on the foundation of Jesus, on his life and his death and his resurrection, 
Uh, but the truth is that that's where our unity is, but there's also a stepping towards our unity by the Holy Spirit's empowering. That's how we honour one another. That's how we learn to, yes, we can disagree. I don't think it means that we don't have discussion and work things through, but it's, it's the way on the, on the core things, on the way that we work out our hearts towards one another. There's a deep unity that is Holy Spirit-powered, a Holy Spirit-empowered. And then fourthly here, daily salvation and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved you know the Holy Spirit is a is a spirit of mission he sends us out that that we that when we're full of the spirit we can't help but go out and and so when you read about Holy Spirit environments Holy Spirit filled churches they're always looking wider than themselves and never navel gazing they're always pushing out uh, wider and further read about outpourings of the spirit like at the Hebridean revival where God just sovereignly moved as Duncan Campbell went up there some older ladies praying Duncan Campbell's invited he arrives God's Holy Spirit is poured out and people are convicted and responding to Jesus it's a Holy Spirit thing Uh, and yet somehow he connects us with it and we get involved or you hear about uh, Heidi Baker uh, Iris Ministries that really in Mozambique years ago hadn't seen really hardly any fruit maybe three or four that sort of many churches nothing really uh, of note she goes to Toronto gets just Uh, just ambushed by the Holy Spirit for days, just encounters God, God's resting upon her powerfully. Uh, She couldn't walk. Uh, She had to be looked after and cared for. And she comes off the back of that incredible encounter and subsequently goes back to Mozambique and now has seen 15,000 churches planted and about a million souls saved. It's that sort of figures thereabouts. All the point I'm making is that when God encounters you, it transforms everything and it always propels the church outwards. Psalm 67, verse 1 to 2. May, the, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Listen, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. It's, a, it's we receive, we, be, we encounter God to become an encounter so that his salvation will be seen among the nations and God will be known on the earth. Just as I land this, I just want to make one application When the scriptures, John the Baptist, Jesus, talk about baptism, they're not talking about a dipping. Uh, They're not talking about a kind of dipping and placing a a kind of uh, that that sort of thing at all. What they're talking about, what Jesus is talking about, there's an immersion that that transforms. There's an immersion over a long time that's transformational. The word means this is a bit of baptism in the scripture mostly means this, that, that it's equivalent of like a cucumber being put in vinegar and coming out a pickle. It's transformational. I don't want to seem irreverent in that. I'm just trying to make the point when we receive the Spirit, it isn't just to make us shake and, 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 uh, and feel kind of warm on the inside. Although all of that may happen and that's fine. I'm talking about an immersion in the Spirit that is transformational. And you've got to position yourself for that. And so God first corporately, individually. I want us to be a church that position ourselves for encounter, that position ourselves to encounter the living God. And, and in that sense, are pickled in his presence. We're so immersed in his presence, we're transformed. So on that note, I'm going to hand us back or hand you over now uh, to Emma Slater, who's a, one of the members here, leads our Academy uh, for Supernatural Transformation. And she's going to lead us into a response time. Uh, and I just say, whatever our environment, whether it's on our own or busyness, respond how you can and let's allow God to encounter us. God bless you and thanks for listening. When we hear teaching like this this morning, it really creates the opportunity for us to respond. So shall we just take a moment together? Shall we just focus on Jesus again? Shall we give our attention just back to him for a moment?
Why don't you ask God, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, we want to respond to your voice. We want to see the nations impacted with the glory of your kingdom. And we want to see our communities completely blown away by demonstrations of your power and your radical love. But we know that it all starts with us, first of all, having an encounter with God. It starts, first of all, with us being filled by his spirit, empowered, emboldened and enabled by him. Why don't you just maybe put your hand on your heart and give the Holy Spirit permission to come and meet with you, to come and encounter you. He doesn't need permission to come and encounter you and to bring God's presence, but he likes to have it. So Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for all that you are that has been revealed in Jesus. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us and draws us into an encounter with you, an encounter of, of your presence. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that brings revelation to your word, that brings revelation to us of who you are and who you've made us and called us to be. Thank you that you've made us to be the ones that demonstrate your kingdom on this earth. Thank you that you've um, created us to be temples of your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit dwells within us, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is within us. So Father, I pray for every person who is just hungry for more of you. Would you come and fill them and fill them and fill them to that point of overflowing, just as your word promises. Father, I thank you that no matter where we are, that it is your great pleasure to encounter us. It is your great pleasure for us to know your presence, to know you close to us, to know your comfort and your peace. And so I pray in this moment that you would just come and meet the needs of your people, whatever they may be. For the things that have been brought before you in the quietness of people's hearts, for the things that have been brought before you in prayer and petition and with tears. Lord, for, the, for the, any type of prayer, any type of request, any kind of longing for you, would you come now by the power of your spirit and encounter your people with your love and with your power and with your grace. And so, Father, I just pray that as we go from meeting together today, that we would go out in joy, being filled with your spirit, being refreshed by your presence again, being emboldened to be all that you've called us to be. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for meeting with us today. Thank you for joining us. Please remember that you can request prayer, that our team is still here and is really willing to pray for you. We hope to see you again. If you've been visiting us, we really hope you join us again next week. And for any information about who we are and what God's doing in us and in our community at this time, please visit our website. I believe the links will be found in the chat pane next to your screen. 
Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. See you again soon. Bye.